welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Walker, and with me tonight are my co-hosts. In no special order, but I'm going to point to one. Hi, I'm Sam Walker. I'm Scott's wife. Hi, I'm Trent Seeley. I'm freezing my tail off on the East Coast. Hi, I'm Michael Cunningham, and I just finished a delicious grilled Nutella sandwich, and it was tasty. And then I took a shower, apparently, or at least that's what it sounded like. But that didn't really happen, so imagine as you will. And I didn't take a shower in Nutella, so that's even weirder. I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. That is someone's kink, Mac. You know it full well, and you're only fueling the inevitable fanfic about the, the hosts. Keep me out of that. Oh, well, obviously, the fanfic is totally all about Trent slash Mac, right? That, that, that's the pairing everyone takes in this. We're a very cute couple. <laughs> I think we confirmed that a couple episodes ago, so I, I cannot confirm or deny that there is a movie in the works. I'm, I'm I can just neither saying. confirm nor deny this. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, leave a comment on this web zone if you have fanfic of Mac and Trent that you're pulling all any any lawsuit of lawsuit viable material so you can sell a multi-billion dollar terrible king franchise based on you know like you do the the dream really is to have a pair of handcuffs named after me that that that's really what it comes down to it's all about that merchandise merchandising merchandising true facts <laughs> Okay, so no business, I don't believe. No business. Other than obviously, hey, we got an iTunes review and it's totally great and perfect and absolutely right in all things. Is it actually? I didn't look. Totes. Nice. I will accept this. So we got a real iTunes review? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> it's almost like I'm actively discouraging anyone to use iTunes ever. I mean, you may have noticed that the iTunes RSS link was not, in fact, an RSS link, but a link to other podcatchers for iOS. (laughs) Oh, well. I am sorry, people. And I fell for that. I can't believe I fell for that. I'm so gullible. (laughs) I'm so tired. (laughs) And you're married to him. Sam, you're a gullicath, not a gullible. I'm going to punch you. (laughs) <laughs> all right so excuse the tiredness this week is gonna be hell on wheels <laughs> and hell on sam but yeah. wheels has different yeah. problems poor pe- poor wheels blame it on wheels is the new hashtag for me poor wheels nothing i have He's... never had any remorse for wheels he brings blame a it lot on of wheels. it on i like training wheels he's adorbs <laughs> Blame it on wheels is my new hashtag because he steals my reviewers and gets them addicted to Monster Hunter. Uh, bastard. Um, not happy about that. <laughs> so All not right, happy. Well, so entitled. Uh, God, I know, right? I know. Okay, okay, so. Okay, and so tonight our primary topic is about fan entitlement, which I'm just going to say is really weird because it's so off base. Like, literally, the, the three biggest publishers, two of the three biggest pu- publishers, are more than happy to piss pee on your leg and tell you it's raining. The third will tell you, will pee on your leg and tell you that um, you're weird and wrong to want dry pants. Is that Ubisoft? Yes. 
I love how you figured that out, Trent. <laughs> Nailed. <laughs> and, and, and we'll also tell I'm you sorry. that you're wearing... You, you don't enjoy seeing the insides of people's faces while playing Assassin's Creed Unity? Clearly there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. They, they also tell you that you're wearing pants when you're actually wearing shorts. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that that's the other thing. So there, there's this... Like, the, the biggest game developers are more than happy to do blatant anti-consumer nonsense... And fans will get in up in arms about not that, and it, it it I find it strange and incomprehensible is what it comes down to. Well, let's look at one of the worst fiascos I think of all time, which was the Mass Effect ending. Well, I I don't think that was exactly what I'm talking about here. But that is a great case of, in a weird sense, a publisher actually changing things. To make people happy and realizing that they were damned if they did and damned if they weren't. Well, uh, that okay. The Mass Effect Three whole thing is a different kettle of fish. I will get to. Okay, sorry, I jumped um, ahead. You, you you did. It's almost like you don't have the notes in front of you. PR is stop being an exercise in spinning bad news and just outright lies. And no one is upset about this, but console exclusivity or you know digital. Or e even just something as simple as a failure to understand business models is what gets people upset. Such as? Yes. Uh, actually, could I assert uh, an example of this? Is Go that okay? Fire away, man. Okay, so one of the things that I've seen quite a bit on Twitter recently is uh, Port Station 4. Oh, yeah. Which, is, which, which would be fans of, well, gamers who are upset of the number of ports that are becoming available for the PlayStation 4. And the apex of this apparently was the announcement of uh, God of War 3 uh, HD remake for the... <laughs> just because apparently God of War 3 wasn't HD enough. Um, <laughs> we need extra... It needs more Ds, Trent. It needs more Ds. H-double-D. Um, yeah. And, and there's this discussion that this... This console, this piece of next generation hardware is being polluted, um, to use their term, uh, with ports, um, as though this doesn't happen almost every single generation. Well, well here's the thing. <laughs> Let alone um, on a Sony console. Well, I mean, the port station portable was an issue for a number, for a couple of years where the only things on that little, little device were PlayStation 1 ports and sports games. Right, Mac? A couple of years of that. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff early on, and it did keep getting a lot of ports, such as um, you know the Final Fantasy games, Tactics, but they were they were good stuff. I think I, I see what Trent's saying, and it does happen every generation. But yeah, it but, seems but, like it's happening now that people. But, are but the, kind the, of the problem about. The problem is in ports, because I and, and and Mac, you and I have talked quite a bit about ports and their relevance and whether they sell systems or not. But I, I don't think ports are the problem. I think there is a sense of gamer in time that, that speaks to. I bought this new console. You need to make brand new games to justify this console. And even if they didn't play the game when it first came out on a previous platform, or even if this new port is at a reduced price with included DLC, they still see it as a step backwards because it isn't a whole new experience for a whole new console. <laughs> and I think that's where the fan entitlement kind of comes into play. Well, and then there's, of course, the logic of, well, you well, should have played it when it came out. Well, and there wouldn't be a need for here, this. Here's this inverse. Um, guess what? Uh, 
no one lives forever is not going to come out on a 64-bit operating system. And fans are upset about that. They are upset they can't get a port. I mean, it it kind of works in reverse in a lot of situations. Yeah, here's the thing, though. The situation that we're in right now is not so much that we're getting ports of games that we would like to see. It's the fact that these games came out just a couple, you know, a few years ago. They were part of a prior generation. And it's not just the PlayStation 4. You know, the Xbox One is getting it as well. And I don't think it's a Sony issue as much as it is a publisher issue of not being able to keep up with the demand, not being able to, you know, pump out new games at a good pace. And, you know, that's understandable. The development cost has gone way, way up. But I can understand why people are saying this. I just don't get bothered by it as much because I still have other things to play. There are still new games coming out. Well, everyone's motivations are sort of weirdly sort of at cross purposes. The problem is that games are taking longer than people realized. So they need the developers to fill- realize too. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and then there's also just viability. Well, no, and, and games are taking longer, so you have to fill a release schedule. Yes. Because yeah. you're a publisher and you have business to maintain. But you also need but, to make the money to, to keep the game point, afloat. <laughs> to that point, though, I mean, it, 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 the problem isn't ports whatsoever. It's that it, it, these ports are being created for business purposes. You know, the the the, the console is going to need games. This is a fairly straightforward way of bringing games to the console. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what the fans or or the gamers think they're entitled to. The market will determine whether those ports are justified or not. Well, and it's not and just and that. The market, is, the market is justifying yeah. it. There are people... People are buying Sleeping Dogs Definitive. People are going to get God of War 3 HW. And and that's the thing. For people who maybe skipped out on the PS3 and bought a PS4, for example, this is new games to them. They don't see it as they missed out on something. This is, okay, I now have the right console to play X game. Now I can, or I didn't know what this was. Well, And I I can play it now. And I think gamer culture, you can hear my scare quotes in that, has a... fundamental failure to understand that a thing can exist that doesn't appeal to them and that's okay. Or that there is a bunch of people who just didn't know something existed in the first place. I get really kind of pissy with gamers whenever they smack talk somebody because it's like, what rock did you live under that you didn't know about this? Well, actually, there are people who just... You know, maybe it wasn't a game that appealed to them at first, so they didn't pay attention. Or maybe it's something that, um, you know, they really sincerely just didn't know about. And that happens yeah. quite frequently. Yeah. I mean... And, and that that's only a minor example of what mm-hmm. the entitlement is, you know? like, it, And there, there's a sense of entitlement towards a number of things. The type of games developers yeah. develop, the type of uh, focuses that publishers seem to have... Uh, the changes that might happen to a gamer's favorite series, there seems to be this belief that the consumer ultimately owns the trajectory of a series or the changes that might occur to an intellectual property. And the reality is that, uh, in as much as a lot of people won't like this, the publishers tend to own the right to change things. Well, well they, they clearly own the right. I, I know that is definitely the fact. And they want to make money as best they can, but do you see it as a successful long-term business goal to shortchange new development in favor of old? 
I think that's the tough sort of rock that they're in the middle of. It's a rock and a hard place situation. You're looking at the fact that because of the rising costs or the fact that they have to fill a release schedule, they've got to do what at least will keep them afloat. I don't think it's necessarily the best business model, but I think there's a logic that they have oh. to at least have something out there with their name attached so that way they're still relevant, it's still current. Well, I think there is this culture within the... Um... The publisher own or the dev owned publisher yeah. uh, business model, which we'll call AAA, just to give AAA a meaning. Finally, they are more interested in having products move than really maintaining value in an IP. Or like they yeah. they will milk an IP before they understand its value. And I mean, I'm sure we're all excited for Dead Space Four. Oh, wait. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I actually believe in Dead Space 4. Thank you very much. Well, it, if, if Visceral ever gets, uh, you know, biz, get get some free time between shoveling out, uh, what are they working on now? Uh, Battlefields, Hardline. Hard, hardline DLC and some unnamed Star Wars thing. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I don't think this just goes with the AAA market. I mean... I'll give a recent example of something that kind of upset me with fan entitlement, just to look at it from a different angle. So, back at the beginning of March, Orishika Tainted, uh, Tainted Bloodlines was announced that it was only going to be digital. I saw so many asinine comics, comments of people saying, well, if this was physical, I'd buy it. Or, does Sony not understand that like, if they don't put it out physically, nobody will know? And in my head, I'm going, you only want it physical because your logic is you want it for your collection. Fine and dandy. But you don't want to support its release to show Sony that this is something that people might potentially be interested in. Screw you. That means you weren't actually that interested in it in the first place. That one drives me absolutely ballistic. Because I think in some situations, I think smaller publishers in particular understand what they can put out in a box that has a better yeah. potential to sell than something that doesn't. Sony clearly knew in this situation that Orishika yeah. was probably not going to be a system seller for the Vita. No. and that it was only going to appeal to such a limited well, market. I, I think, obviously, everyone has a duty to vote with their dollars. If it's not what they want, don't buy it. If it is, do. And do it yeah. fast. And do it early, because selling fast matters more than selling well in most yeah. cases. Yeah. If, if you can. I'm not saying, you know, drive yourself into debtor's prison for anything. But, and that's just but it. It's like... I think you also have to understand that if you vote with your dollars and the vote doesn't go your way, you shrug and move on. Like, yep. people still... The, the mecha anime community cannot process that Super Robot Wars OGs or OG Gaiden are, just aren't gonna happen here. They didn't sell well in the first place. Like, I'm sorry. I bought all three. I bought them. And Actually, you got... Two of them is gifts. Well, um... Uh, so I bought them, technically. Well, yes. They, they, they were paid for. They were... Yeah. And I I liked them. I'm, I enjoyed it. I, I appreciate the fact... I appreciate Atlas for doing it. But guess what? If if that's not going to work for you, um, that's fine. I guess I'll just be sad I don't get to play OG Gaiden. Well, and again, <laughs> this is the thing. It's when you look at niche Japanese RPGs, they actually tend to do better digitally. A lot of the numbers justify that. If you look at a series like the Atelier series, that's a great example of one that moved digitally for the Vita. More people are trying them out. Why? Because they can have it portably, and they can, you know, try well. it from their own 
It, yeah, it's, it's hard to compare there since it's it was hard to only compare. digital on Vita. That's what I mean. I don't think if it had box copies, well, it would have been a this shelf is it, mover. Though. If it's selling better on Vita as a digital only compared to the PS3 versions, that's that's, sure. that says something. I don't know. That's a tough one to say because I don't, haven't seen numbers to compare that. But I would yeah. be surprised. I'd be surprised too. But I think in some situations, it's just thinking about your market. When I look at games like Orishika, of course, in my head, I'm going, "There is no possible way putting a box copy of this would have made sense." Just there's just Especially no way for to, it. Not, not to Sony, maybe to an Axis or an. But Isa. even to them, I don't think that would have been it would have been viable to them. I actually think well, a lot of the times for our smaller publishers, putting out box copies is often more of a detriment. They do it because they can get the niche collector crowd. I know Axis has been putting everything that they're releasing, tons of PS3 and Vita stuff out there, because they know they have a niche collector crowd that will pick up the stuff. Physically, as easily they, as they would digitally. They, they got did they 10, put fans Tokyo Hunters out? Because I've not seen a yeah. box copy for either. You know, we, we, yep. we're getting we're getting a bit off topic. Oh, no, no. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to steer it around. I'm so sorry. But, but the point... Um, now, we, we've talked a lot about kind of how the market dictates things and how publishers uh, sensibly ultimately tend to make the best business decisions, and sometimes that rubs fans the wrong way. Um, there is also, uh, well, I should say there are also plenty of cases uh, where a developer will decide to change the trajectory yes. of a game's development and fans will react negatively even though they haven't played the finished product. They've or barely seen any of the game. I, I would say that... Did the Diablo 3 screenshot thing? Is that what we're going to? <laughs> That's a good honestly, one, actually. Honestly, the, the thing that probably flusters me most about fan entitlement is when someone makes a change.org um, oh, go. poll <laughs> or, 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 or uh, yeah. sign this petition so we can tell Tetsuro Nomura and Habata that we do not like the way that Final Fantasy is its combat system. Yeah. Now, well, okay. Well, well before an episode of Dusk ever was even a thing, even was mentioned, back at the Tokyo Game Show, when when uh, Timbata said that uh, the the combat was going to have a, a one bu- one button use, and there was going to be dodge systems, and you're only able to control one character. Uh, some fans who were apparently following the game since it was first announced got flustered because it looked less like heart. The, the use of only one core party member was uh, a huge step backwards, apparently. And the response was to create a change.org petition. And that really bothers me simply because it's a whole bunch of people making assumptions and yes. judgments based on something they've never played, they've barely seen. Something that, that doesn't point, even exist. Yeah, it's not even a thing yet. At that point, yeah. There, <laughs> there Literally was barely two anything screenshots available. from Diablo 3, and we got a change.org to mute the color palette. Yeah. That was very strange. And, I mean, and here's the thing. Uh, video games are much more fluid than they used to be. Like, if, if outrage is strong enough, you can see, say a director's cut to a Mass Effect 3 ending, even though the complaints of the fans were not necessarily the problem with the ending itself. Actually, yeah. <laughs> random little story, not the change.org, but just to talk about 
color palettes in a really weird way. When we went to go see Brian Fargo a couple of years ago, he told Michael and I about how he actually put up a poll oh, that. for Wasteland just, 2. just to look at Wasteland 2's color tones, just to see how a demographic would react based on just how the colors looked. And he was saying about how like Europeans were freaking out over bright colors, whereas North Americans were... Um, talking about how they actually liked that there was color. I mean, it's kind of bizarre that we as a demographic have that ability to have that much voice that somebody actually is taking it into consideration. That's one of the weird cases I've ever seen where somebody actually considers what people are saying before actually implementing it. Well, I mean, it's yeah. sort of, it's interesting because, well, and because that's a Kickstarter game, you almost have to keep yeah. in contact with your backers a bit more. There's an assumed conversation there that may or may not be true. But in the case of, hey, I'm upset with the way this game turns out, I'm going to do a whole bunch of stupid, loud nonsense in hopes of fixing it, and oh, hey, they don't actually really fix it, but everyone agrees it's better somehow. Yeah. I haven't I played it, so I don't know. That, that's, that's the thing that kills me, because in as much as I've come to expect gamers to have the hubris to make demands of publishers with relation <laughs> to the game's, uh, game's release... Because video games are tending so much stronger to anticlimax in endings right now. It's probably yeah. a whole episode. But, but just, just to see gamers say preemptively, Hey, I'm not a developer, but I don't like the way that you're developing your game that I've barely seen. Hey, I've like, seen three sc- screenshots and read the back of the box. Um, so I clearly think, I, know I, I, I think I'm, I'm totally on board with your de- design documents here. You yeah, need and, and, to do it my way. But you know and, what? And I, I really shouldn't expect more of the internet, but it drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you want to hope that there's a sense of humanity. Oh, no, no. See, Brian, Brian Fargo is not a person. He's a Twitter handle that you can just shout random, random obscenities <laughs> at until he makes um, torment Numenera the way you want it to, and by which I mean not involve and Merlafferty at all. I'm sorry, I didn't back. I sorry, Brian. I did not back tor- uh, torment two specifically. Is that you consolation? Her. My friend's one of the writers. Yeah, but, and so is one of your friends. <laughs> yeah, but Merlafferty. I know. Just saying. I don't like her. She's not good. Now, we haven't even talked about really port begging on top of all oh. this, too. Because <laughs> that's one of my favorites. You remember when Final Fantasy Type-0 accidentally was announced for Vita, and then they were like, oh, we actually meant it was PS4 and, you know, Xbox One. Yeah, and there was so much drama with so, that. Well, oh, it was oh, the hashtag oh. went around no Vita, no buy for the longest yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, it, and really, that's that's pathetic in its own right. But I seem to rem- I seem to recall Mac, you being kind of flustered by the fact that Vivita wasn't getting its own version as well. I was flustered by the fact that Square Enix themselves made an official blog post that was wrong, <laughs> that got my hopes up, and then yeah. shattered them. <laughs> well, that they're good at that. You have a right to be upset about that, and you have a right to voice that. But demanding Square Enix invest tens of thousands of dollars into a port uh, just for your benefit? Tens of thousands. <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of thousands. Okay, yeah, it's Square Enix, hundreds of thousands. Let's be logical with numbers here, honey. Well, no, let's be, let's, let's well, think Square Enix what Square logic. Enix's e-logic with numbers. Uh, has there been any cases that you all know of of Phantomment where it has actually worked out for the best? Well, I think Operation Rainfall might be close. 
I mean, where, in the end, we actually did get all three games. Well, I mean, it's just like, I think it was just a bunch of people saying, hey, we want games that, these are the games for the Wii we want. Yeah, make, they found a way to go about make that advertising happen. that. Even if all of the people involved say that they were wanting to get those games even before Operation Rainfall happened, you know, regardless, it still I, was I, an awareness campaign. Well, and yeah, nothing else. I the mean, same cannot the same cannot be said for Operation Moonfall, though, or Operation I, I, Hot Blood, I, or Operation. I, I still vividly remember uh, Majora's Mask 3D's uh, reveal, the announcement that it was coming out, and then everyone in the Operation Moonfall camp was like jumping for joy and screaming, "We did it! We did it!" And then, you know, the team at Nintendo was like, yeah, so we started this port immediately after we finished the port of Ocarina of Time for the 3DS. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, you did nothing. <laughs> well, you know, I think with something like Operation Rainfall, I mean, I think what really fueled that one in such a positive way was the fact that fans were actually going out of their way to soft mod their Wiis just so they could play Xenoblade. To say, hey, Nintendo of Europe gets that we want this. Why can't you figure it out, Reggie? Yeah, I mean, and they went through the process of you could pre-order the game on Amazon, despite the fact Amazon, you know, had no knowledge of this game existing because it didn't exist in yep. in North America. And it got what, it what to the number hell is one. <laughs> it, it got it to number one on Amazon's pre-order list for a game that has re- not even, you know, wasn't even real. Like, <laughs> you had a screenshot. I remember it happened that way. I mean, you know, and then, I mean, you and I knew even before with Operation Rainfall that Exceed was bringing out the other two, Um, which, you know, for us was kind of painful to keep our mouths shut for a while there. (laughs) But, you know, even with The Last Story and Pandora's Tower, I think both turned out to be, you know, not so much Pandora's Tower, actually, maybe uh, more so The Last Story was actually pretty successful for Exceed. Yeah. You know? There were games that had a demand, and the fans, well, you know, were honest about the demand. Yeah. So so often it seems like people. Uh, all right, here's one of my biggest things that I see happen quite a bit. You see a Japanese game announced, you're like, oh, we don't have that game, so we want it. Okay, yeah. it comes out, you know, six months later, or whenever it gets announced, and people are like, yeah, well, now I don't care about that one. I want X new game. And, or- or they don't really know what they yet. want. They just they want what they can't have. Better yet, it's like oh, they they start finding ways to backpedal from not actually buying it. Like oh, it doesn't have a dub track, or it only has a dub track, or it's not getting a physical release, or it's not coming with the goddamn radio dramas. And I don't know who these you know hypothetical they are, but I think we all know there's plenty of situations where. Different people have had different things. And I'd say each and every one of us could probably come up with an example where we have possibly been in that area, too. Easy. For me, it's the Speak Odin fandom. There was nothing worse for years than Konami teasing, oh, we're probably going to do Speak Odin 6. Oh, it's coming. And then we got, you know, the little DS game. And then we got that extra story for 4 that nobody likes. And... You know, it used to drive me ballistic to the point where, you know, fans were making petitions because it's such a small franchise. But, of course, you're you're, be- you're begging to the choir that is Konami. Konami not giving a crap about franchises you like, which, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I know for me that was one that I always just used to get upset with because every so often there'd be a tease and every so often there'd be an interview with X person and I just had to read it because I had to see. I wanted it to be the gospel truth. 
See, I, I've stopped being like the oh, activist. I've stopped. I've stopped, I I, but... <laughs> I, I've stopped being the activist, hopeful gamer because one of my favorite franchises, the Mana franchise, has been so bad for so long that I've just relegated myself to self defeat. <laughs> well, in, in the case of that franchise, you're you've been pooped on enough. You're in the back corner with like Star Trek nerds and Highlander fans. No, no, point. honestly, it's it's like it's me and Wheels and everyone else who likes Kawazu. It's just like it's, we've we've stopped moving forward with our hopes and dreams with relation to video games. And we're just willing to take whatever scraps are thrown our way at this point. <laughs> I used to be a hopeful gamer, and then, like I said, Konami took a big dump on things that I liked, and I was like, okay, I accept this. Now Now I'm just going to be sad a lot of the time. I mean, I get a little hopeful when I see something that I'm interested in, but the difference is I put my money where my mouth is, usually. You know, if I'm interested, I mean, I still haven't picked up Orishika yet, and I will. I just haven't had PlayStation money, because it's something I'm interested in. It's crazy Japanese culture. Yeah, that well, is I'm waiting so on the physical version. <laughs> you little poop disturber. <laughs> I wish I could say I was kidding, but I'm not, because there is actually supposed to be an Asian version of Orshega that's the physically English? released with the English subtitles, which oh, is the go. exact same thing that we're getting digitally here. Yeah. And, and, and for all you fans at home, Mac has the most extensive physical copy collection of any portable device that you will ever see. <laughs> I know. I went hunting for some of those for him. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, PSP games. I have 140 physical PSP games and 156 physical DS games, 57 physical Vita games, 45 physical 3DS games, and over 200 digital Vita games, just to kind of balance that out. But How many Amiibos, Mac? How many Amiibos? Shut up. No <laughs> okay. comment. Okay. And he knows this because he's organized his copies in a spreadsheet. Yes, I had the, because, the spreadsheet. Because Mac <laughs> also has a love affair with Excel. Yes, <laughs> that, I is, love that is true. Physical copies, the Vita, and spreadsheets. <laughs> hobbies, in, hobbies include. <laughs> I think just another issue with fan entitlement that maybe just grinds my gears a little bit is when you just don't get what you actually want or what you think is what you should be getting. I'm talking actually about Artanelico in this case, because there was that lovely situation where, unfortunately, yes, there was localization issues with 2, where it crashed the game. At the end of the day, yes, you be, can be mad about that part, absolutely. But the game still sold really well, and we still got more of it, and there are still people who are like, this company is incompetent, therefore we don't want to buy it. But if you're somebody who couldn't care less about that stuff, you can't force others to care about it either. Well, okay, there's this weird little bubble in, that, that fans kind of put themselves in, where things they like are not only excellent and above criticism, because that's attacking the tribe, but also financially successful and worthy of more. Like, someone, like, there, there's been a dedicated campaign for about a year now to explain to people that no, Dread is not getting a sequel. John Carpenter, or John Carter of Mars is not getting a sequel. Because they were failures. Yeah. I... And that, that's just a drop from the movie world. But even, you know, getting into, say, Super Robot Wars, it's like, no, guys, no. Well, I mean... Lord of Elemental, the re-release, is not going to come out. I mean, unfortunately, with something like Artanelico, yes, the localizations have not been that great. But at the end of the day, as someone who's a fan of Gust, you know, I personally... 
am okay with the fact that, you know what? Screw it. I want to play it. And at the end of the day, you can't tell me that I can't enjoy something just because, whoa, the localization's bad, or whoa, like, this company was trying to screw you over. Um, well, my eh. favorite... To, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, and to be honest, like, that one kind of cheesed me off with, because I don't think people understand the processing that goes into localization, the fact that it's usually done by a small amount of people, mm-hmm. and the fact that you can't catch everything. Even big companies know this. Be- my favorite... Out of all of these, and you kind of touched on it earlier, and especially when it comes to localization, is we really, really want these games. People really, really want to play these games. Oh, this game, I've been dying for it to come, you know, from Japan. Yes, awesome. Oh, wait, it's not going to have the original Japanese subtitles or the Japanese dub, so I can play it in the version that it basically was before it came out over here. So, therefore, I will no longer play this game because it is being, you know, updated. I have no, I have no sympathy for that. If you like the dub and want to play it on that option and it's available, awesome, more power to you. But I don't get the people that feel the need to attack others for liking something. I feel like that is just an inexcusable sort of situation. It's like I'm sorry, I like something you don't. But no, no sub forever. Never mind that games can support. But, but that's both what I'm referring to and why I use Artanelico as an example. In a lot of situations, you had people even on our on our own forums, where people would come out and tell you, this is wrong, you're wrong. Meanwhile, you don't live in that person's head. So you don't have the right to point the finger because you think something is pristine and perfect. And I have the right to say, no, it's not pristine and perfect. Leave me alone, I'm enjoying it. I just don't get that kind of entitlement. That one just drives me kind of a little crazy. And, you know, just even talking about things that appeal, everybody's different. And I think we forget, even as fans of something, we can be a hardcore fan of something and forget that there are people out there who don't like it. Cue Final that, Fantasy. Well, and that's cool. Like, we can just say, hey, Dark Souls is really good at being Dark Souls, and that's not my thing because the loss of progress is really frustrating, guys. <laughs> it, it, it's a keyboard breaker for me. Let, let, I'm just going to go do something else, and we can both have our fun. That is way, way too balanced. <laughs> no, oh, you were, you were way too rational with that comment. Okay, so being <laughs> okay, so in the interest of being fair and balanced, what 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 happens when fan titlement gets turned on the press? I mean, obviously we have the classic hate out eight point eight out of ten. I I well I, I mean the only people we have to I mean we can blame fans for thinking that. Like anything less than an eight out of ten is 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 horrible, or even an eight out of ten is horrible. But really, that that's kind of a symptom. The disease is certain sites that don't tend to use the entirety of their scale. I'm with like, you there. It's, well, like, it's, I, it's a whole not, thing. Like it, it's not just the scoring. It's it's the fact that um, you know what we spent a year being accused as RP gamer accused of hating PC games. Because we wouldn't talk about basically every RPG maker, whatever, that came out that year, or whatever one that tickled whatever fans fancy. And now that we're talking about PC games again, we have to sit down and listen to special pleading about how, oh, it's getting released on Steam, and Steam is the devil because it has the mildest, most socially acceptable form of DRM. Or, you know, a great example was from our Game of the Year thread when somebody was upset that we didn't play Legend of Grimrock. Well, I well, I mean, <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. That yeah, that would again, that's a that's special pleady again. 
And it's just sort of like, I, I appreciate the fact that everyone backed me up by saying that Legend of Grim Rock will never succeed because it will never live up to the game we immediately imagined when you said, when we thought it read Le Legend of Grimlock and we wanted to be transforming Roseblatt dinosaurs. <laughs> it was a sad day when we all figured that well, out. Well, it, it happened to each of us in, in sequence. Like, it, it literally throughout the chat, it's like, Legend of Grimlock? Me Grimlock, me unstoppable. And it's like, no, it's just some generic dungeon crawler thing. Oh, me Grimlock, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, special pleading seems to happen frequently, especially on our site. Generally. Well, I think it happens everywhere. I think. Oh yes. I think and as a specialty site, though, you know, well, we've had it happen we, a few times. We get we get extra special, is what <laughs> across the board is what we get. Well, and I hate to call it out like that too, because really, it is a it's a small minority who is just extremely vocal about it, and that's what a lot of fan entitlement truly is. You have a small minority who is so vocal and won't shut up and won't enjoy what good there is that it becomes a problem. It's not everybody. And it's definitely not our entire community by any oh, means, no, no. but there is plenty of individuals that are that are balanced and maybe just have a thing here and there. But it, it really happens a lot with smaller sites, like you say. Well, I mean, even our neighbors have the same problem. Good old yeah. RPG fan. And they are a case where like they actually cater to that really small RPG maker stuff a lot of the time too, outside of yep. the fact that they also do the bigger releases, and they still have the same problems because mm -hmm. they can't win, just like we can't win. There's always going to be somebody who's unhappy. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to be pleased with everything you do or with anything you do. So you've just got to do what you do the best you can, and well, go everyone, from there. everyone has that hill they die on. And picking yeah. your hill is always a fun, fun little adventure. Yes, sir. So do, so do we think there's a better direction for this, or is this just something we we got to start tuning out a little better so it stops bugging me and I stop scheduling podcasts about it? Um, I hate to say it, I think this is a case of tuning out. And the only reason I say that is because I don't think there's any way to contain or control something like this, because, again, everybody's different. And no matter how much you try to educate some people, and let's face it, we've all tried in some situations to educate someone else, it doesn't always go our way. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, fan entitlement, ultimately, if you look at the root of it, is ignorance, right? Yep. There, there are pe people who refuse to accept certain things because it doesn't you know, fit their particular worldview. Um, and, and you can't really fight ignorance on the internet. You'll exhaust yourself trying to do so. <laughs> yeah. It's a never-ending supply. Wake me up when September ends. <laughs> Before you go-go, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, like I said, this has been a tough topic, but I... If you, if you are listening to this and recognize anything we are complaining about in yourself, think about that. I'm already thinking about it, man. Are we so out of touch? No, it's the, the children. children who are wrong. <laughs> and some days everything is like Principal Skinner. Sometimes it's sometimes it's Principal Skinner. And so we have feedback, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, feedback from last episode where we're talking about romance and sex, and I guess there was just a lot. The the, the forum seemed to be interested in exploring other options and other ideas. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I know. Well, not. <laughs> Yeah, actually, a mature depiction of a mature and adult depiction of paint of kink would be goddamn refreshing in fantasy 
at all. But that's another story. But I, would, I, I do want to call out, there was this general idea, this, one of the recurring themes, people just looking for a more mature look at romance, where it's about intimacy, not conquest, I would say. You'll see a lot of that. And I mean, can you really think of anything off the top of your head where you actually get to see a nice, mature relationship? Well, I mean, we did. you, you pointed out Lunar thrice. I know, I'm very good at that. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, without retreading that ground, it's sort of weird to see how it is all kind of samey. And I think Frank Riss pointed out that for a lot of fantasy gaming, there's not a lot of sort of political marriage going on. Spikoden 2 had one, actually. Well, I mean, Dragon Age 1 had one, yep. maybe. Final Fantasy twelve had one, too. Yeah, but it was buried under a whole bunch of airships, and you had to do something on the license board to unlock marriage as a skill. (laughs) Just kind of rolling back to political marriages, Picoden 2 did a really good one, um, where if you played the game, Joey kills the king and marries Princess. And they actually don't really have that much of a romantic connection at first. And it takes a long time, but the game does a really good job of actually developing that relationship from hate to her understanding his ideals. Alright. And her having her own, actually. And did anyone get any feedback on the tweet space? No. I don't think anyone posted on our Facebook for that, did they? We have a Facebook. Um, <laughs> How dare sorry. us. And I'm and kidding. I'm kidding. So. I'm kidding. I just hate Facebook. Yeah, I don't bad. like it either. Alright, so our closer for today is I have a rant I just want to get out and it has to do with um, Valve's GDC presentation. So Okay, well, hold on. I'm just going to leave the room real quick. (laughs) So so Valve is getting into the hardware game and PC gaming has slowly been getting less dumb over the years, I'm going to say. It's getting easier to manage. There's less of a hardware treadmill it's more affordable, it makes more sense to a lot of people, and Valve had a chance to put that last nail in the coffin to divorce uh, their, um, to really divorce PC gaming from Windows and uh, make it sort of easy and accessible and give developers a really strong platform to specify games for and just sort of say, hey, we are Valve, we're going to make Steam Machine A, it costs $400, and it has these specs, and we have Steam Machine B, it's $1,000, it's slightly better to the max. And what they did was they partnered with 15 hardware manufacturers. Because that's always a good idea. To make, each of them is making at least three machines, some of them five. So we are looking at about, uh, let's say, 50 Steam machines. So the average consumer is going to go, which of these is the best? And it's sort of like walking into an ice cream parlor. And the only, and, you know, they've got 31 flavors there. And the only description available to um, re- to really help uh, decide what flavor you want is the, um, is, is the ice cream scooper guy just reading off the, the nutritional information on the on the tub. Except it's, you know, also in French, because, you know, PC hardware lingo is inaccessible. And so it, it's it's just gotten worse. And if you understand PC gamer lingo, uh some of the some of the baseline Steam machines, it's it's insulting what they want to charge me for them. Like literally, uh the one of the 
one of the cheapest ones, one of the cheapest ones, runs an Intel i3 processor. That's like, that's somewhere between a potato and a graphing calculator at this point, kids. That's not going to run games, and God knows it's not worth $450. I'm sorry. Like, like you know, that's that's a slap in the face to the, to the market. <laughs> now, I'm with you, Scott. And as somebody who is not typically a PC gamer, but who used to make PCs back in the day, used to build my own, yeah. and have given up on that process now, just there's nothing incentive-wise that would make me interested in a Steam machine. The whole point of a Steam machine was to have something basic that they could just release and say, you want to play all the games? Buy this. You want to play all the games and then look kind of good? Buy this. You want to play all the games and then not really play that well? Buy this. Three at the max, two ideally. <coughs> well, that's what and, I mean. You have Steam Machine 1 and Steam Machine 2000, right? Well, oh, I even exactly. actually asked Scott about it because I'd been considering maybe upgrading my PC. He just kind of gave me this death stare of, I can build you a, a computer cheaper. And and that's true. <laughs> yeah. Like anyone who just said, I thought you said Gabe and asked Scott about it, and I <laughs> <No>. was like, <laughs> no. yeah, Gabe called him out and was like, yeah, hey, yeah, Scott, Gabe... I need some help with this steam machine stuff. <laughs> and, and I want you to give and, me the insight. <laughs> and and in the same breath, they can announce the Steam Link, which is just sort of skipping a step a lot of PC gamers had done to bring their games to the living room, and just sort of said, hey. Here's a home streaming thing. You plug it into your TV, and it's going to run our controller. It's going to run um, Logitech and Microsoft controllers, too. And it's just like, hey, you, 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 you stream the game from your hardware to this device on your big old TV the way you probably wanted to. Huzzah! And it's 50 goddamn dollars. Which is what we're going to do. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It's like it's almost like the Vita TV, but good. I'm not a Vita TV defender, so I'll let you buy with that one. <laughs> All right, and that that is my rant. It's a um, good rant, but now we have to figure out what we're we talking about next week. Next week, I think, or next not next week, or next month. Next month, we are. I think we should talk about mainstreaming the JRPG. Oh boy! Backseat marketing. Let's do it. Uh, ooh. <laughs> Pick up what you have a better topic. It'll be better. Let's let's keep it to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's an entitled attitude, Trent. I am entitled. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> uh, and on that, good day. Bye and oh. good night. Good night. <laughs>